0: Son, one time I made a mistake on Mother's Day, and I changed tradition, and I got Our Ladies flowers, and he said, Son, don't do that. Get them them chocolate. Get them candy bars. So after the service this morning, when you exit, for Our Ladies, we have plenty of candy bars out there for you. I'm not going to make that mistake that Pastor Joe made. I will heed his warning. So thank you for that, Pastor Jill, so I can remain in good standing with our ladies. But I, ladies, I hope you have a blessed day today, and uh, guys and kids, I hope you got something for your moms. Uh, real quickly, just a, an announcement, um, you did see a little insert in the bulletin this morning, a little flyer uh, about a golf scramble. Um we do, the, the, the Johnson family couldn't be here this morning. They texted it last night to something come up, and they apologized, wouldn't be here. They were excited to give that announcement. Uh, what happened was um, Matthew uh, is in scouts, and he's trying for this Eagle Scout project. So they had approached us and asked if there was any type of projects we had. And I said, well, I said, we have one, but it's kind of a big one. We've always had a dream of having a, a shelter house back there, you know, and Um, you know we could use for birthday parties or or for fellowship nights or just whatever and we've always kind of wanted to utilize that ground back there which we have been that's just been one of our little goals and I thought that's kind of a big project for Eagle Scouts but as it turned out um, they were able to apply for a special grant um, for this big project and Lo and behold, we got the news back this week that we are going to get the grant. It went through. So, yeah, praise the Lord for that. So there will be some funding. Now, it may not fully fund the project, uh, which is why we're going to do the golf scramble as well. So to all of our golfers, um, even if you aren't a good golfer or you don't like golf, it's still fun to go out there and take a hack at a little white ball with a stick. It, it's fun. It is and we're asking you to kind of jump on board with that, um, but all of the proceeds for that are going to, whatever the uh, the grant money doesn't cover, we're going to try to raise the rest of it through the golf Scramble. So all of it will go towards the shelter house back there, and, and we can all enjoy the shelter house. So that's what that's all about. Um, but yeah, the Johnsons were wanting to give that announcement, but couldn't be here this morning, so that little flyer in there, you know, invite a friend of yours or get a little team together. We don't have sign-up sheets yet. We'll probably have those next week or so, but uh, don't forget that. So that's what that's all about. Okay, let's get to the Word of God this morning. Um, now the Bible gives us lots of examples of people. Lots lots of examples in the Bible. Um, some are good examples, worth emulating, and kind of worth looking at how they reacted, how they behaved, you know, and and looking at them and emulating them, and some examples in the Bible are people that are examples of what not to do, not to be anything like that, don't do like that guy did, or or she did, or don't do anything like that, and those are the examples that we have in the Word of God. Today, we're going to look at one of the good examples in the Bible, okay, you may have heard of a particular fella named Abraham, okay, okay. Now, Abraham is a very prominent figure in the Old Testament. He is also referred to many times in the New Testament. Matter of fact, I I would say that Abraham is very prominent throughout the entire Bible. Very prominent figure throughout the entire Bible. Actually, Jewish people revere Abraham. I mean, they revere him. They greatly respect Abraham. Uh, Abraham is, really, he's the man in Judaism. I mean, he is the man, Abraham. They, they look to Abraham as the, the patriarch of Judaism. He's pretty much the, the grandfather of the nation of Israel, really. If you think about it, uh, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And then his descendants and children were called the children of Israel. So Abraham is pretty much the grandpappy of of the entire nation of Israel, of, of the Jewish people. They, they revere him greatly. So if you look throughout the Bible, he's actually referred to as Father Abraham a lot. A lot of times you'll see when they talk about Abraham, they, they call him Father Abraham. You'll see that many times in Scripture. The, there are the Old Testament prophets, they refer to Abraham in, in the Gospels. Christ refers to Abraham. He even refers to Father Abraham. Many of the epistles talk about Abraham. I'd argue, I was reading Galatians yesterday and a little earlier this week, I'd argue that half of the book of Galatians centers around Abraham. And that's a New Testament book. Abraham is a very central figure in the Bible. Okay, There are times... You may be familiar with when, when Jesus talks with the Pharisees. And you know, Pharisees didn't like Jesus very much. He didn't seem to get along with them very well. But the Pharisees would respond to Jesus and they would say things like, We be Abraham's seed. Or we have Abraham, our father. He would respond to him because they claim him. They, they claim him ancestrally. They, they claim him proudly. They, they're proud to claim Abraham. That's their attitude towards him. One time when John the Baptist was preaching, and and preaching and baptizing people in the Jordan River, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to see what was going on. And John the Baptist kind of, he gets into it with them too, but he says this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. He's kind of berating these Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says, bring forth fruits, therefore, this is Matthew 3, 8, bring forth fruits, meet for repentance. He says, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Because it was commonly accepted that Abraham was their patriarch. They would constantly refer to Abraham. That was just common knowledge then. Again, the Jewish people revered Abraham. Even Jesus, listen to this. Even Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples one time, He would tell them a lot of parables, right? He would teach him parables, and he would explain what those parables meant. Well, there was one parable, the the rich man, and then the beggar, Lazarus. Do you remember that? Listen to the terminology Jesus uses. We won't won't read the whole parable, but in Luke chapter 16, verse 20, listen to this. This is Jesus teaching. He says, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Listen, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died also and was buried. Now, we won't keep reading that, but if you do keep reading that, you'll see that Abraham is referred to many times and he's referred to as Father Abraham. Even in Christ's parables, even in a teaching of Jesus, he refers to him as Father Abraham. Jesus even uses him as as the example of this this beggar dies and goes up, and Jesus says, he's comforted in the bosom of Abraham. That's how prominent of a figure Abraham is. So the Jewish people, they revere Abraham. Us Christians also do too. How many of you can go back, and some of you, this might be going back a long time. How many of you can remember like a Sunday school or a junior church, learning the song, Father Abraham? Had many sons. And many sons had father. Were you supposed to march or something like that, too? Something like that. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right? Well, yeah. So that that so Christian people, we revere Abraham as well. what, what is it about that? He's mentioned all through the New Testament. What is it about Abraham? What is it with Abraham? That he's this central figure in the Bible. A prominent figure in the Bible. Many people don't even know why we look to Abraham as an example. Why Abraham is so important to us. What is it about the Abraham that the Jews reveal him? And even Jesus uses him in parables. Now, to understand why Abraham is so important, you know, we're going to go back and gather some information so that we can understand why Abraham is so prominent in the Bible, in the Word of God. To do that, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 11. Now, I have lots of scripture this morning, but it shouldn't be too difficult for you if you want to follow along because we're going to kind of go consecutively in our Bible. And the booth always does a good job to follow along on the screens. Now, Genesis 11, if you'll remember, this is just shortly after the global flood, which is a real historical event we have scientific evidence that points to it to this day. So the real global flood, the uh, the historical global flood had happened. Waters receded. Noah and his family come off. The, this is also shortly after the Tower of Babel. The people weren't dispersing. They were going to build this great giant thing, and God confounds their their languages, and and then they begin to disperse throughout all the earth. There, and you can actually Google little. Maps and stuff of how they believe certain people groups dispersed. It's actually kind of neat if you look into stuff like that. But people are beginning to repopulate the earth at this time. Okay, so that's a little bit of our context. People are scattering through the earth. Flood had just happened. Uh, God had confounded their language. They're starting to disperse through the earth and beginning to repopulate. Now, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Okay, it says this. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram. Now that's our guy right there. His name actually isn't Abraham yet. That'll come later. So this is our guy here now. Abram, his name is. So don't be confused by that. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, in Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham took Abraham and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, and the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Verse 30 says, but Sarai was barren, she had no child. Now, the Bible is introducing us to a man named Abram. Okay, His name's not even Abraham yet, his name is Abram and doesn't tell us much about him at this point, but he lives in Ur of the Chaldees, which is an area close to where they believe that Tower of Babylon in Black Babylonia, kind of a Mesopotamian valley, if you will, modern-day Iraq area. So he was somewhere in that area. It says his wife was barren. His wife Sarai was barren, okay? So that's just an introduction to Abram. Okay, now this starts to get interesting, I believe it starts to get real interesting right here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Remember, we're asking ourselves this morning, what's the big deal with Abraham? Why is he mentioned throughout the whole entire Bible and referenced? And why do we revere him and why do we look back to him? Okay, so here he is, Abram, barren wife, living in Ur of the Chaldees. Genesis 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3 says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, this is when the story starts to get very interesting. God calls Abram, and he says, hey, you need to move out of Ur of the Chaldees into, really, he's taking him ultimately to Canaan, the promised land. That's where he's going to move Abram. And God says, hey, I want you to come out of there and move. And Abraham says, yes, sir, I will. And and God makes this beginning of a covenant with Abram. He says, I'll make of thee a great nation. Now, here's where I think it's a little bit interesting is, didn't we just get done reading that Sarai, his wife, was barren? So here comes God along making this claim, saying, Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Through you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. I'll bless them that bless you, and I'll curse them that curse you. But we just got done reading that Sarai, his wife, is barren. Didn't we also read, didn't the Bible also just tell us that this man is 75 years old? He's 75 years old. That, brothers and sisters, is getting a little long in the tooth, if you would. Don't mean to offend anyone if you're that age, but that is getting a little older. There is such a thing as fertility. Come on, let's be real this morning, right? There's such a thing as fertility. 75 years old is not the optimum age of fertility. It's just not. Science tells us that, right? We have concrete data that says "Eh, eh, things just don't work very well when you're 75 years old. That's not the, the, the opportune time to start a family. It is just not. Not your most fertile years. But as time goes on, God keeps on making this promise bigger and bigger. And I just I find this fascinating. He makes this covenant, which really a covenant is kind of like a contract, if you will. God says, Abram, if you do this, I will do this for you. It's kind of like a contract. And God begins to just add to it and multiply it, make it bigger and bigger and bigger. But what I'm pointing to is, I'm a realist. Let's look at the facts. He's 75 years old and his wife is barren. And here comes God making these these big giant promises and claims. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. It goes on. The Lord keeps coming and visiting him. Verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now, brothers and sisters, it's important to note in this day, in Abram's day, there is no Bible. There's no Bible. Okay? There's no Bible at all. There is no written scripture. There may have been some oral uh, traditions or, or oral stories that they had passed down from generation to generation. But there is no Bible. There is no Ten Commandments. There is no law. There are no Jews. There are no Gentiles. There's none of that yet. None of that. This is going way, way, way back. Like I said, just after the flood. M- Moses is, is typically accredited with writing the first five books of the Bible, and he doesn't come around till centuries after Abram. So there's none of that stuff yet. But, but yet, n- despite that, no Bible, no Ten Commandments, Nothing written, no contract, no nothing. Abraham, at the command of the Lord, leaves his home as commanded. And also, God appears to him, and what's it say? And Abram built an altar. Meaning, what it really means is Abraham worshipped God. God would make these big, giant, elaborate promises, but the real evidence, the empirical evidence that he had was, a barren wife, he's a stranger, but yet Abraham builds these altars and he worships God. God makes this covenant with him, and Abraham worships. Now I always I wonder what Abraham was thinking, receiving all these big giant promises from God. He was old, and his wife was barren, and God keeps promising this great nation, his seed. It actually said we read moments ago, his seed will come from his bowels. He's seventy five. We'll see here in a little bit that his wife is 10 years younger than he is. She's 65. This, this is a couple times now. We're, we're really at the beginning of the story of Abram. This is the beginning, and this is already a couple times God, God comes to making these giant promises to him. Listen, years later, years later. By the way, this might be a two-part sermon, so that will encourage you to come back next week. Uh, haven't got the chance to pray about it yet. Only focus on one things one week at a time. But Abram is such a big, giant topic that we're not even going to come close to the whole story. But we'll get part of the story today and maybe part next week if God allows. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 says, And the Lord said unto Abram, Oh, here comes God again. What's well, this, the fourth time now, third or fourth time? And the Lord said unto Abram, After that, Lot was separated from him. He said, lift up thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that a man can number the dust of the earth. Then shall thy seed also be numbered. Verse 17, he says, arise, walk through the land, the length of it and the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is Hebron, and builded an altar unto the Lord. Here comes God, and and he already had started this little covenant with Abraham. He comes back, now he comes back again, and he makes it even bigger. He says, Abraham, go out and look. As far as you can see, I will give it to thy seed. Meaning, the seed that comes out of you, Abraham. I'll give it to your descendants, your family, as far as your eyes can see. And he says, oh, they'll be like the dust of the earth. If, if there, No man can possibly even count the dust that's in the earth. He said, that's what your descendants are going to be like. And what's it say? How did Abram respond? And there he built an altar unto the Lord. The Lord is making these tremendous claims, these tremendous promises. Now, I don't know about you. But I sometimes interject myself. How would I react in, in some of these situations? You know, God's saying these things. Remember, there's no Bible. There's, there's none of this stuff. He is going on faith that God has spoken these things to him. I don't know about you, but it's probably about this time, after God comes back three or four times and makes these huge promises, I would have had to begin to question God on some of these promises he made. I mean... He's promising these huge promises about his seed. And his seed will be so numerous, they'll be like the dust of the earth. But let's let's be real this morning. Let's look at the actual facts of the situation, okay? Let's not be so spiritual and let's look at what actually is in this situation, okay? He has a barren wife in the first place. That's a little bit of a problem, amen? When God comes at you and says, I'm going to give this to your descendants, to your seed, it's a little bit of a problem when your wife is barren, amen? That, that causes a little bit of a roadblock to that promise right there. So that's, what, that's the, the facts that Abraham has. That's what's real. Other than this promise in faith that he has. He has a barren wife. Here's another thing. He's old. She's old. Now at this time, it doesn't actually tell us how old Abram is, but we know he's older than 75. He might be pushing 80 years old at this time. And God comes to him and says, I'm going to give all this far as you can see to your descendants, to your seed. These are This is the actual evidence that Abram has. Also, he's a foreigner in a strange land. God had called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, and, and he's a sojourner. He's like a pilgrim. He's, he's a, a, a new guy in a new land. And also, notice he has none of this in writing, and he has absolutely no, nothing tangible to show for it. Nothing tangible. What do you think his friends were thinking after he spent some time worshiping the Lord? And God said, Abram, look all around you. He says, Abram, I'm going to give all this land to your descendants, your seed. They're going to be like the dust of the earth. He probably was excited and went back, at least told his wife, Sarah, Sarah, you ain't going to believe what God's going to do. She's probably thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what have you been drinking? Let me smell your breath. What do you think Abram's friends were saying when he would say, man, you won't believe the things God is speaking to me? They're probably thinking, this dude, does he not realize how nature works? that That's the reality of Abram's situation. Those are the facts. He, he can claim whatever promise in the world he's saying God promised to him, but we know this is the facts. He's old. She's old. She's barren. That's the reality. That's reality of, of Abram's situation. And how does Abram respond to all this? He builds an altar and worships God. God would speak these things, and, and a couple times now it says, and there he builded an altar. He would sacrifice and he would worship God. Never doubting. Bible doesn't record us. Abram saying, oh, Lord, I don't know. You, you sure you don't have the wrong guy? Or, Lord, did you mean to do this about 40 years ago when I was younger and more fertile? None of that. God speaks these things and Abram says, oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, your, Lord, your word is immutable. Lord, I'll take you at your promise. Lord, your word is enough. God makes Abram a promise and Abram responds with worship. What is it with this man? What is it with this man, Abram? He has nothing tangible to substantiate these promises that God's making, these elaborate promises that God has made. He has nothing to show for it, nothing. But yet he still seems to be going along with it. He still seems to be believing in it. I mean, the the world would look at this man and say, What is wrong with him? Is he stupid or something? He he can't see the, the, the reality of his situation. What's wrong with him? he seems to believe it i mean how old is he at this time in his 80s maybe the story goes on genesis 15:1 says after these things the word of the lord came unto abram in a vision here comes god again in a vision saying fear not abram i am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir." And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Here God comes again. This might be the fifth or the sixth time. And he makes the promise even bigger. It's even bigger. He says, now this time, he says, look up at the stars this time. I mean, I'm sure every one of us at some point has looked up at the stars. And if you get a good clear night, you cannot count them. They're everywhere. If you get a telescope to even look further, you see more of them. They're innumerable. There's billions upon billions of them. God comes along and says, look up at that, Abram. Abram looks up and he's looking at them stars, seeing billions of them. And God says, that's what your seed will be just like that. Billions upon billions of them. God is just making this covenant bigger and greater and greater every time that he comes. And God says, nope, it's going to come from thy bowels. I mean, how old is this man now? Making the promises even bigger and bigger. God says, look up at those stars. He's alluding to the fact you're going to have billions and billions of descendants that will come forth out of thine own bowels. God sure is making Abram. A lot of providences with no evidence. Amen. No evidence at all. No evidence. Nothing empirical whatsoever to show that any of this is true or is going to come true. Nothing. Abraham has nothing but that promise to go on. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing to show for it. I wonder how old he is at this point. It's got to be a few years down the road. Maybe he's mid-80s this time. Pushing 90, I don't know. Remember, his wife is 10 years younger, so if he's in his mid-80s, she's in her mid-70s. I wonder if he went to his wife. Sarah, our our descendants, God said, look up at the stars. They're going to be that numerous. She's probably thinking, honey, that time for us is long gone. That's long gone. Those days are over. Look how he responds. Genesis 15 verse 6. Highlight this verse in your Bible sometime. Get your highlighter and, and scribble it orange or, or bright green. Genesis 15 6 says, And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This man has nothing. Nothing tangible. He don't even have a Bible that he can say, Look, I can read it right here. I got it in writing. He don't even have that. There's no Ten Commandments. There's nothing written about God. He's going on a promise that he got from God. And he believes in it. He believes in it. And it counted it to him for righteousness. This is why Abraham is so important to us church. That's why he's so prominent in the Bible. Because he believed God despite having zero evidence. He believed. He was unwavering. in his. He was not having any doubt. None of that stuff. He believed God at his promise. He believed God even when there was no Bible. He believed God even when there was no prophets. This was before all of that stuff. He believed when there was zero evidence that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. God's promises were enough for Abram. They were enough. That's all he needed. This was a man of faith. All his friends probably thought he was some sort of a loon. He didn't care. He believed God. God said, look up at them stars. And Abram looked up and said, I believe God said, look at the dust of the earth. That's what you mother says." to say. And Abram said, I believe. I believe. He believed. With nothing to go on, Abraham had faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. That's who this man is. That's why he's an example in the Bible. Let's move on to chapter 17. And as we... As we do, remember, none of this, nothing has come true yet. Every word that God has spoken, not a single thing has come true yet. Yet, yet, Abraham keeps building these altars. Abraham keeps worshiping. Abraham keeps believing. Chapter 17, verse 1, says this. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine... That's the King James Version way of saying he's 99 years old. And when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Listen, how does he react? And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, thou shalt be a father of many nations, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Verse 6 says, And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Here comes God again. What is the sixth or seventh time he's coming? No evidence to show for it. None of it has come true. God keeps coming back. And every time he comes back, he makes the covenant, the promise, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this man keeps on believing. How's he react? He falls on his face before God. Here comes God again, making all these downright outrageous claims. Remember, remember, brothers and sisters, what's the facts? The facts are this was, Abram was 75 years old when this all started. 75 years, it has been 24 years of nothing coming true. 24 years of empty promises. 24 years, 24 years. Starting from when he was 75. That, that's a long time to go. Starting from when you're 75. You know, I could probably make a promise to you in here. If there's anyone that's 75 years, in 24 years, I'll give you a million dollars. That's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time when you're 75 years old. 24 years of big promises from God and no evidence. Big claims, no results. Now he's 99 years old. Remember, his wife's 10 years younger. She's 89. Sarai is 89 years old. And also, to to add insult to injury, here comes God talking about wanting to change his name. Says he wants to make his name from Abram to Abraham. Abram in Hebrew means exalted father. Abraham means in Hebrew a father of a multitude. So here comes God saying, Look, instead of your name being exalted father, I want to change it to mean father of a multitude. This man is 99 years old. Does anyone else see the problems here? Do I got any other realists out here this morning with me that, that can say, amen, brother? I see the problem. Amen. I, I see the issue. He wants to change his name to mean a father of a multitude. What's the reality? He's a father of nobody. Father of Zero. As if all those promises weren't enough, God's making them bigger. And, and here's the kicker to it. This man, Abraham, believes it. Abraham believes. What is it with this man? He believes it. The Bible says he falls on his face. I, 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 just, I don't know. What, how would you react? I would probably said, Lord, I done quit believing in that years ago. How would you have acted in his situation, church? For real, how would you have acted? We've all, every last one of us has been in a situation where our faith has been tested, where it's been put to the test. Every last one of us has been a doubting Thomas, right, in our life. Every last one of us. We've all been been in situations where our faith has been called into question. Do you really believe in this? Maybe it's just a bunch of bogus, a a bunch of words and sentences put together. You're going to tell me this is an inspired word of God that's immutable, that's true, it's inerrant? Do you really believe that? We've all been there. We've all faced that. Man, do I really believe in this or not? Do I really believe in a, in a new heaven, in a new earth someday? Do I really believe I'll be resurrected from the dead? Do I really believe in a heaven? Do I really believe in a hell? Abraham, Abraham, to him, there wasn't a doubt in his mind. Not one doubt in his mind. If God said it, God said, look up at them stars, there's billions. Abraham said, mm-hmm, I believe it. How many of us at this point would have told the Lord, Lord, I'm tired of hearing it. You've been promising me this for decades. I'm tired of hearing it, Lord, because you haven't done one single thing, not one tiny little thing to where any of this could come true. I mean, let's be real, God. You want to change my name to a father of a multitude? I'm a father to no one. Lord, I have no seed, and those body parts don't even work anymore, Lord. I'm too old. Lord, maybe I believed it a little bit when I was 75, but now I'm 99. I don't believe it anymore, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. Your promises were too grand, and none of them come true. Now here I am, 99 years old. That stuff doesn't even work anymore. I wonder what Abraham's friends were saying at this point. When Abraham, 99-year-old man, Comes bebopping around, talking about, hey, man, everybody look at the stars. My descendants will be just as numerous as the stars and numerous as the dust of the earth. They're probably talking to amongst each other. Man, this man he he don't know there's such a thing that women go through. That's called the change. Apparently, this man don't know that that happens to women. This man is dumb. This man is stupid. He don't know. He ain't never heard of that before. This man is crazy. He been believing in these pipe dreams. All these years, all these years, he's walking around saying, man, the Lord has blessed me, brothers. Isn't today a wonderful day? The Lord has blessed me. He's going to bless me with descendants, all the families of the earth. His friends probably think, you ain't even got any family, man. You got nothing. I don't believe in the God you believe in because you say, he says all these things. I have observed your life, and I have seen none of them come true. None of them come true. How many of us have said, Lord, I don't want tormented with any of your promises anymore? I don't want tormented with them. The, the torment of, of having my own seed, the torment of, of, of my descendants being as numerous as the stars. I don't quit tormenting me with that, Lord. It feels like you're dangling a carrot in front of my face. Every time I go to reach out and grab it, you whip it away from me. What about you, brothers and sisters? What about the situations you're facing today? Hmm? Health stuff, marriage stuff, parenting stuff, family stuff, inflation. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust God? Do you trust Him today? Do you still Believe in his promises. But come on, man. Gas is $4.20 a gallon, man. Come on, how are we supposed to make it? A regular house is a quarter of a million dollars. Now, how do you think I'm going to make it? Do you trust God? Despite the evidence, it is evidence. I can prove it to you that gas is $4 in some sense. We can go a half mile down the road and I'll point the sign to you. Do you trust God at his word? Do you believe in his promises? Do you believe them? And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. (sighs) Abraham's what our faith should look like. That's why he's an example to us in the Bible. That's why Jesus uses him in parables. That's why the epistles mention him over and over. That's why he's mentioned in Romans, that's why he's mentioned in Galatians, that's why he's mentioned even in Revelation, that's why he's mentioned by the prophets, because he's the example of what our trust in God should look like, God said it, he believed it, he didn't even have a Bible, and he believed it, he didn't even have it in writing, and he believed it, at least we got it in writing. I can go back and read it. I can go back and reference it. I can go back and pray it. I can go back and repeat it to God. Abraham couldn't do any of that stuff. I got the contract in writing. Abraham had it taken only on faith. Abraham had nothing to go on but God's word and he believed God's word. Abraham is a prominent figure in the Bible because of his trust in God. He was unyielding. There was no other way to him. No other way. It was unthinkable to Abram. When God pointed up at them stars and said, that's what your descendants are going to be like, it was unimaginable to think anything other than what God had just said to Abraham. He's the picture of faith. He's the picture of trust. Brothers and sisters, have you been doubting? I know we do sometimes. I do. Have you doubted God's promises? then look to abraham as your example look to abraham all abraham had was a promise from god but that was enough for him i want to ask you this morning is a promise from god enough for you genesis 17 chapter i'm sorry chapter 17 verse 15 says and god said unto abraham as for their as for sarai Thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, and kings of people shall be of her. Verse 17 says, Then Abraham fell on his face, and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Now, again, God promises seed from Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, I remind you again, she's 90 years old. She's 90. The Bible says that Abraham falls on his face and laughs. Now, many theologians, and you can disagree with me on this one if you want to, but I actually took this little self-guided class thing, I don't know, a couple months ago or so, and there was this awesome biblical scholar dude that was teaching about Genesis, and he was going through some of this. And when it says Abraham falls upon his face and laughs, many theologians actually believe that that is not a scornful laugh or a doubtful laugh, like a, (laughs) yeah, right, you know how someone tells you something so outrageous, hey man, I can bench press 500 pounds, (laughs) yeah, right, well, when Abraham falls on his faces and laughs, the theologians say that that's not a scornful laugh. It's actually a laugh from joy. He's so joyous, almost like it's just incredulous to him that I can have a child. I'm 99 years old. I'm going to have a child. He believed God, and it was incredulous to him. He was just couldn't barely believe it. It's almost as though he... he he almost, if you read the text, it's almost as though he thinks maybe God has made a mistake and he, he made a mistake in the names and Abram offers a correction. Listen to verse 18, the very next verse, it says, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish a covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, we kind of skipped over a part just because of time. We skipped over a part where he did have a child with a handmaiden, a a, a lady named Hagar, and they gave birth to Ishmael. We skipped that part over just because of time. So he had an illegitimate son, Ishmael. And and Abraham, maybe when God gives him his promise, he's thinking, well, maybe maybe he meant, you know, he said seed was going to come from Sarah, but maybe he means Ishmael. So he kind of offers the correction to God. But God comes back and says, no, 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 I don't make mistakes. I said it right the first time. Your seed will come from your wife. Your wife. Look at Genesis 21, verse 1. Now these promises are going to start to come true. After 24 years of nothingness but big giant promises... Remember, he's 99 years old. His wife's 89. Genesis 21 says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Brothers and sisters, this is 24 years in the making. Verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. Brothers and sisters, if God has a plan for you, but it's decades down the road, will you be faithful into believing it? Will you believe it? But, yeah, but but I'm already too old. But I'm too dumb. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the job. I don't have the means. I don't have the career. I don't. I don't this. I don't have to the... Look to Abraham, your example. If God says it, believe it. I like that verse genesis 21 1 where we read and said and the lord visited sarah as he had said now it might have taken a long time i notice it seems to be god in any hurry a lot of times when we pray to him we are we get in a hurry god in any he does it in his timing sometimes he maybe he wants to make you wait around for a while to see what metals inside of you to see if you truly do believe Every every last one of us would believe if we prayed and it instantaneously happened. None of us would be weak in faith then. But it's it's a way of, of shaking. God can shake you and sift you. And those weak in faith will fall away. But Abraham stood the test of time and believed. Finally, after 25 years of promises from God, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, the promised seed, the promised son, the promised child. Now, all those promises in God start to make sense. At least when God says, look up at the stars, or when he says, look at the dust of the earth, at least there's a chance for them to be fulfilled now that they have an actual descendant. There's not a chance if you don't have a descendant. Now they have one. Now at least there's a child. Now at least all that stuff God said makes a little bit of sense now. There's a possibility of descendants now that they have sons. After years and years of no evidence, Abraham kept believing. What did it say? And there he built an altar. And there he built an altar. He would fall upon his face. That was his attitude. And now, here he is. He might be old, but he's rocking that son back and forth. He's got that promise. He's looking into the face of the faithfulness of God. Abraham trusted God and he was holding the fulfillment of God's word. Brothers and sisters, that's the question though. Is a promise of God good enough for you? Or do you say, God, I want the promise, but you also better give me some evidence too? There can be some dark times in our lives, amen. How many of you have been through some dark times in your life, some dark seasons? Dear Heavenly Father, I wish I could do without them. Life can make you go through some dark times that are not fun. Amen? There will be some times when you swear you're sunk. You're done for. Your family's going to collapse. It's all going to fold. There, you'll, you'll swear it, that that's what's going to happen to you. If you've been on this planet for any number of years, you are going to go through some rough seas, amen? You are going to go through them. But the question remains, in the rough seas, when it's all raging, will you hold to the promises of God? That's why we have examples in the Bible, for when we're going through stuff, we can look back and we can say, Man, look at this man Abraham. I want to be kind of like that. Brothers and sisters, will you cling to those promises in those times? There wasn't a doubt in Abraham's mind that God was going to fulfill those promises. It don't even matter if it took 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, a quarter of a century. Abraham believed them, And it was counted to him as righteousness. What about you, brothers and sisters? What about when all the actual evidence points in the wrong direction? God says this, but Lord, all the evidence says that. How are you going to respond then? How about when there's absolutely nothing to substantiate the promise that God has given you? When you can produce nothing to your friend who who asks you, Hey man, how's that Christianity working out for you? And you really go, well, look man, I just, I know it's true. I believe it. How about when God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and you're feeling pretty forsaken, what are you going to cling to? What are you going to cling to? Is it true or is it not true? Will you trust him? You know, I've noticed being a believer, and these dark times come upon us. Man, fear can grip us. Amen? Uncertainty, the unknown. Dear Lord, it's very real, isn't it? Very real. If you've been through some th- through some dark times, that fear can grip you. It can grip you. It can like it's, it puts you in a headlock and squeezes you till you can't hardly breathe anymore. Your stress levels, it's like they go through the roof. All the the opportunities to cave in to fear and doubt present themselves. Worry and doubt creep in. The foundation of what you believe in gets rocked and gets shaken. But in the midst of that, to the believer, there should be some tiny speck inside of you that says, hold on to the promises of God. Hold on. Years ago, Pastor Joe, I I don't know when in the world this was, preached a sermon about trusting in the Lord and having faith in God. And, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is a good chapter to learn about the faithfulness of God and gives us lots of examples of people who are faithful, but I got my Bible open to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. I know you can't even see it. But during the sermon he preached, I don't know when it was, he gave us a little mustard seed. Anyone remember that? A little grain of mustard seed. I, I taped mine to Hebrews chapter 11. You can't even see it from here, can you? Ain't a single person that can really see. Maybe you can see something. You can see the flash of the tape or something. But you can't even see. That's so tiny and so small. I can barely see it and I'm right here. If I take my glasses off, I can't hardly see it. That's that little... Little tiny speck inside of you that when you're going through them dark times, that might be all you got is that little tiny speck, something deep down in the core of your being saying, saying to you, God's going to be faithful. He's going to get you through this. Now, the whole rest of your body might be doubt and uncertainty, but there's a little speck deep down inside of the believer that should be there that says, man, don't you remember Abraham? He had nothing to go on, but he still kept believing. That's what I'm going to do. It's only this big. It's only an infinitesimal little speck, but that speck's enough. I'm going to hold on to that little speck, that little kernel that's inside of me. That's enough for me. I'll hold on to that. little kernel of faith that refuses to give in to fear and to doubt, that refuses to quit believing. It's just a speck, but it should be there. And that's all you got sometimes. That is all you got. But is it enough? Is it enough? There might be some of you say, nope, I need more than that. Sometimes that just doesn't happen. That's all you get, the little tiny little speck. The grain of a seed of mustard. Tiny little speck. In your own hand, you can barely even see it. Brothers and sisters, when dark times come upon your life, look back at the example. Abraham. He's our example. This scripture I told you to highlight, Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. I'll bring this to a close now If Rod and Aban band want to make their way back. Brothers and sisters, this is what your faith should look like. It's what it should look like. Don't doubt the promises of God. They are yea and amen. If he said it, it will come true. If he said it, cling to it. Hold on to it. That's Abraham is what trusting God looks like. We'll close with Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Let me read a few scriptures to you. It says, in being not weak in faith, it's actually talking about Abraham right here. And Abraham, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, or the the deadness in his own body, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20 says, And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21 says, And Abraham, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Do we have any brothers and sisters in here this morning that are fully persuaded? Abraham was fully persuaded. Do we have any believers in here this morning? Do we have anyone that is fully persuaded in the scriptures this morning? Can anyone say amen this morning? Let's rise to our feet, church. Now, church, do you understand why Abraham, why we call Abraham Father Abraham? Does now it not make sense to you? He is the picture of what our trust in God should look like. Amen. The
1: God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And in my heart, learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faith.